Well, if you're glad to be in church, let me hear you say amen. amen. Wasn't that great singing tonight? Wonderful. We pulled up outside. Uh, y'all had already started, and uh, it was pretty good outside. We came in. It was even better in here. You've got wonderful music, wonderful singing, and wonderful worship. And isn't the Lord worthy to be worshipped tonight? It is my honor to be here. I appreciate your pastor inviting me. It was a year ago that he let me come and preach one day here. And I must have done okay because now I get to preach two days. How about that? And uh, we'll know next year how I did with two days, won't we? And so I'm going to be on my best behavior. It is a joy to be here. Uh, I left with an hour and a half to spare to be here early. And uh, coming through Atlanta, got in traffic with three major accidents. And uh, very serious uh, wrecks. And the Lord got us through there, came on up. And I got into North Carolina and uh, I, I now know why this is where NASCAR has its hub. <laughs> you know, all the great NASCAR drivers are from North Carolina, right? And uh, I, I was reminded of that. I was doing my best to get here quickly. I was doing about 74 in a 45 <laughs> on a double line, windy road. And I got passed by three old women going to Monday Night Bingo. <laughs> And I said, welcome to North Carolina. I don't know. The spirit of Dale Earnhardt was upon them. And one of them did have a pretty healthy mustache, I will say. I didn't see a number three, but it was, it was there in spirit. <laughs> but it is, and if, if they weren't going to bingo and they're here tonight, that's a great mustache, ma'am. I don't, that was not derogatory in any way. It's a great mustache. But uh, am I back to one night, one day already? I'm already back to one day. Wow. <laughs> I had intentions of behaving. And so I will. Let's go to Genesis chapter 49. And I have been in this chapter for several months now. The Lord has put my heart here. So it's a very interesting text. This is Jacob as he lays on his deathbed. And he is bringing his sons before him. He is blessing them. And by blessing them, he is speaking over them. He is speaking about them. And he is speaking to them. And with every son, there is a unique message about their life. This is not just Jacob's opinion. This is the inspired word of God. This is what God had to say about their lives individually. I want to go tonight to verse number 9, and I'm going to show you one son. Lord willing, tomorrow night we'll look at another. But I want us to look at Jacob's prophecy, at his word of blessing over his son Judah. If you're in Genesis 49 in verse number 8 and 9, let me hear you say, Amen. Jacob said, Judah, thou art he whom thy brethren shall praise. Thy hand shall be 
in the neck of thine enemies. Thy father's children shall bow down before thee. And watch, Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, thou art gone up. He stooped down, he couched down, and as an old lion, who shall rouse him up? Father, I pray that you would help us tonight to let the Word of God settle into the soil of our soul. We know that the seed is good seed. This scripture is perfect. It's inerrant. And I pray that our hearts would be good soil for this good seed. Help me, Lord, to be a careful steward and sower. And Lord, may we receive it with great joy. And then may it grow and may the results be seen years and even decades from now, what you've done in this meeting tonight. I thank you for this opportunity. Bless every person and every family that's represented here. In Jesus' name, amen. Jacob, speaking about his son Judah, in verse number 9, he compares him to a lion. And it is interesting to me that in this comparison, he not only compares him to a lion... But he shows us the life of a lion in three different progressions. He says you're a lion's whelp. That's a young, newborn lion. He says you're a lion that has caught the prey and is then settled down after consuming it. Then he says you're a lion that is an old lion who is not easily stirred up. I think if we're going to understand this text, we're going to, first of all, need to apply the truth that Judah, in your Bible, his name is synonymous with praise. When Judah was born, his mother said these words, Now will I praise the Lord. And in doing so, she named him Judah, which means to praise the Lord with uplifted hands. Is there anybody in the house of God that would testify He is worthy to be praised? I believe if there is anything that is evident that I don't have to convince you of, it is that God deserves our praise. It's what we've been doing for 30 minutes, is singing His praises. That's what we do on a daily basis is we praise Him for His hand of goodness in our life. Now, there are three levels of this lion's life and I believe that each level of these lion's life is a different progression of praise that you and I ought to have personally. Notice this. He said in verse 9 that Judah, whose name means praise, Judah is a lion's whelp. That is a newborn baby lion. I did not know this, but as I began to study this text out, I learned that when lions are born, their mother will leave the pride and she will go to a den that is separate from the rest of the lions. She will birth them 
in privacy, in a setting where it is just her and them. And for three months, she will keep them away from the other lions. She will feed them. She will nurse them. She will care for them. She will protect them. But for three months, they do not see another lion. As I studied this, I learned the reason for that is because that mother, are you listening tonight? She wants to build a connection with that newborn baby that it understands, hallelujah, I'm about shouting, y'all don't even know why yet, I'll tell you why. She wants that baby to know everything you have is because of me. There is a connection being established. There is a relationship being formed. When those lions come out of that private den, they come to the rest of the pride, they will be nursed by other lions. They will be looked out for by other lions. They have a real community setting, but that mother wants those babies to know from the get-go that what you have is because I gave it to you. She is establishing that what they have is because they are in the family. I didn't know this either. But those lions, even after they are nursed to a place to where they can have meat and they can have other food, they are not allowed to participate in the hunts until they're 11 months old. And even then, they're just going along for fun. They can't really help. They're just there learning. And they tell me that a lion cannot hunt for itself until it is two years old. So for two years as a whelp, that lion is dependent upon being in the family and every provision that it has is because it is part of the family. And when I think about the levels of praise in our life, I think the first level is when we get born again. And immediately there is a recognition, somebody help me now, that everything I have is because I'm in the family of God. Remember when you got saved? I didn't know much about what I got, but I sure knew that I got it. I couldn't give you a theological explanation of what had taken place, but I knew something had taken place. If you were to ask me what happened, the only thing I could tell you is I was lost, but now I'm found. I was going to hell, but now I'm going to heaven. I was not grounded. There was not a lot of depth in my spiritual walk, but there is a praise that naturally springs up in the heart of a child of God when we are born into His family. I have seen people get saved all over America. God has allowed me to travel and preach a little bit. And I have preached from Oregon, Washington State, all the way to the end of Florida, where all the Yankees go in the wintertime. Y'all know I'm telling it right. I've 
preached in upstate New York and about everywhere in between. And I have seen people saved all over the country. And you know what I've noticed? Every time somebody gets saved, you don't have to teach them to praise God. It is a natural overflow of appreciation just because they're in the family of God. Can I say something to you tonight? New Christians don't have to be taught to praise God. In most churches, they're taught not to praise God. You ever been church somewhere where you raise your hand and they think you've got a question? <laughs> you ever been to church somewhere where you say amen and ten people about break their neck looking around to see who it is? When we get saved, nobody has to tell you how to praise God. There is no training union praising God 101. There is no five o'clock class to learn how to praise God. It is as natural for a believer to praise God as it is for a baby lion to nurse from its mother and realize she is the source of all of its provision. When I got saved, and probably when you got saved, I didn't have any great spiritual victories in my own life. I hadn't seen God answer any great prayers. I didn't have anything that I had watched take place. All I had was the blessings I got when I got in the family. Thankful for grace. Thankful for mercy. Thankful for heaven. Thankful for joy and peace that passes all understanding. Thankful for the fellowship of the Holy Ghost. Those things that we do not earn, but we simply receive because we are His and He is ours. It may do us well tonight for some of us to go back to the early days of being born again and remember what it was like just to be thankful that we're in the family of God. Sometimes, y'all are a better church. I know you are because you put up with Him for a pastor. That's how I know you're a great church. But sometimes I go to my church where I pastor and I think, dear Lord, I could have left my Bible and just brought some pom-poms. Because it feels like they need a pep rally instead of a sermon. Come in, look depressed, look sad, look beat up, look like they've got no joy, look like they've got no hope. And I want to tell you, if we would just be thankful that we're in the family of God, it would birth praise in our lives. I had one fellow, Brother Jake was in my church for years, and I'd ask him to pray, and he'd get up to pray. And I'm telling you, he prayed for 11 years in that church for God led him on and he's now pastor and I hope he's got a member like he was when he was with me but, but I'd call on him to pray and I'm telling you every Sunday for 11 years Lord it's been a hard week Lord you know it's been a tough week I listened to that for 11 years after 11 years I said have you ever had a good week have you ever had a week that was not horrible? Because all I've heard for 11 years is how hard your week has been. Now we have some hard weeks. We do. But if you're saved, we've got something to praise God about just because we're in the family. 
I like them, I like them newborn Christians that are on fire and they don't care what you think about it. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Them kind that'll park in your spot, sit in your chair, and shout while they're doing it. I like those kind that don't know the lingo. They don't know the terminology. They don't know the points of which we are to applaud or shout or go to the altar. They just, they just glad to be in the family. I had old boy saved one time. He worked on a road crew, a big paving crew, and... Uh, you know, worked with a rough crowd and uh, was a rough crowd. And God saved him. And I baptized him. And I, my hand to heaven, he didn't know hallelujah. He didn't know praise the Lord. He didn't know amen. But I put him in the baptismal waters. When I pulled him up, he threw both of them sunburnt, leather-looking arms up in the air and said, Yee-haw! That's a fact. And I like yeehaw Christians. Because yeehaw Christians are just glad to be in the family. They don't have to hear their favorite choir song. They don't have to have their favorite evangelist in the pulpit. Preacher don't have to hit a home run. They're just thankful to be in the family. And there is a genuine praise that comes when we realize how blessed we are just to belong to Him. Y'all say amen and I'll move on, all right? The second level of this lion's life that speaks of the progression of praise is not the newborn lion or the young lion, but the second progression is the mature lion. Look in verse number 9. He said, Judah is a lion's whelp. Remember, they can't even hunt until they're two years old. But now there's a change. From the prey, my son, thou art gone up. This is a lion that is not, I'm having a good time tonight. I hope I earn three nights next year because I'm having fun. <laughs> this is a lion that is not sitting in the den waiting on mama to bring it some milk. This is a lion that is not feeding off of everybody else's kills and their victories and their successes. This is a lion that is apparently above the age of two and it is able to go out and kill and hunt and provide for itself. Now, I need some help right here. There ought to come a time in our life where we are no longer living off of the milk of our Christianity, but we have come to a place where, hallelujah, where we have seen God do some things for us. Now I'm thankful to be in the family. And I'm thankful for all the stuff I got when I got in. But I am here to tell you, there's a praise that comes from having your own victories that you'll never know until you have won some battles with the help of God by yourself. That makes sense to everybody? This is a lion that has gone out. He has hunted. He has caught his prey. He has seen success. 
And the picture that is painted is that he now sits filled after the fight and he is celebrating this victory. When I was studying this, I learned a very interesting fact. Did you know that lions have a success rate between 19 to 25%? In other words, for all of the hunts or chases that they initiate or encounter, out of all the hunting they do, they're only successful around 19 to 25% of the time. Now, somebody help me right here. That's great numbers if you're a gazelle just chilling on the plains. I mean, that's a real blessing if you're an impala who just need a little drink of water. But that's bad if you're a lion with an empty stomach. 19% success rate. You know what that tells me? That tells me that that lion has started a lot of hunts that did not end successfully. That it has spent a lot of energy trying to win a battle that did not end in success. That tells me that those lions have walked back hungry more times than they've laid down field. Tells me that those lions have spent a lot of nights with a growling stomach and with failure in their mind. They're only successful around 19 to 25% of the time. And I'm going to get spiritual here. Let's leave National Geographic for a minute. Let's come back to the church house. How many of you would agree with me that much of our walk with God is symbolic of that lion's success rate? It's not always a promised victory just because we start a pursuit. Amen. I'll say it. Y'all don't want to say it. I'll say it. We don't always get it right. I don't always accomplish what I started out to do. I don't see every prayer answered. I don't see God always work like I thought He would work. I don't always hear the bells of heaven ringing when I get down to pray. I don't always open the Word of God and get some powerful revelation come off the pages of this book. There's a lot of times where I feel like a lion who is giving it his all and has nothing to show for it. And those times are tough. You ever prayed and God didn't give you the answer that you wanted? Have you ever carried something to the Lord you felt like he wasn't interested in it? Have you ever started something for him and it just fizzled out and there wasn't anything to it? There is a praise that comes from those experiences that you can never know unless you have hunted and failed. Now here's what I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> Let's just take the math. For the 81 times that the lion loses, and the gazelle wins, it's a low experience in the life of the lion. But those 81 losses make those 19 wins so much sweeter. 
I think that probably every one of us who's been in this a while can look back at victories that were hard to win. At valleys, am I helping anybody tonight? That were deeper than we ever thought they'd be. Mountains that about killed us climbing to the top. Burdens that crushed us under the weight and under the heavy load. But oh, the victory that comes from those trying experiences brings out a praise in us that nobody else may understand but we don't care if they understand or not because it feels so good to finally get a win after all the losses. I was saved as a child really at seven. The Lord called me to preach at ten and my whole early life was just spent preparing for ministry. Wonderful mom and daddy, a wonderful home, a wonderful church. And to be honest with you, I had sat in the den. And every blessing I had, somebody dropped off for me. Every blessing I had, God just put it right there where I couldn't miss it. We started the church where I'm pastoring now. I was 23, Miss Amy was 22, and about a year into the beginning of that church, we were expecting Dalton, our son. And it got down around to his due date, the week of Christmas. We're sitting on the couch, it's cold outside, and... We're watching television and all at once my precious little wife lets out a scream from another world. I like to went through the ceiling. I said, what's wrong with you? She said, I'm having the baby. Well, I had planned and prepared and trained for this moment. I leapt into action. I ran through, grabbed the bag, grabbed the stuff, grabbed her. We get in the truck. We're flying down the road. We get to the hospital. I walk her in. I said, hey, hey, listen to me. Brain surgeon, seashore activity. I see you. Shut down. This woman's having a baby. (laughs) They got her. They carried her up to the room. (laughs) She's, she's, screaming the chilly waters of Jordan are just washing up around her feet I'm talking about near death experience and they get her in there and a few minutes that 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 physician's assistant comes back in the room and says uh, ma'am you're not having a baby That's a contraction. And I said, ain't that like part of having a baby and like the beginning of having a baby? And she said, it is, but uh, you could be several days away from having this baby. (laughs) 
So we got all of our stuff. They sent us home. We get back to the house. We get in bed. About 2.30 in the morning. I come up off the mattress. I mean, just levitate. Just took the blankets with me. Just gravity has no power. I said, what's wrong? She said, this is it for real. She said, this is it for real. I may have him right here. I said, let's go. That was just a practice run that first time. Come on, let's do this. The whole routine, we get down there. We, they check us in. That, that PA comes back in there. She checks her again. She said, ma'am, I'm going I'm 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 to explain this to you one more time. <laughs> what you're having is not a baby. It's a contraction. And then she said this. It was, it was like December 21st. She said, Steve, she said, but if you're going to keep coming down here, every time this happens, y'all just go on and stay and make yourself comfortable. I thought that was a win, you know, till we were there three days later. And on the 23rd, he was born. And, you know, I hear people talk about those precious memories taking their... I was so sleep deprived, I don't, I don't even know that it really happened, to be honest with you. <laughs> I was delirious. But I do remember that they handed him to me, and before I could even get my arm under him, they took him. And the nurse said this, she said there was some complications. And she said this could be very serious. She said it could be brain damage it could lead to paralysis she said we're going to take him to the NICU and we're going to check him and said uh, we'll keep you updated they carried out our minutes old son and I through my sleep deprivation realized this is serious this is serious I was 23 have you ever looked around for an adult? And then figured out you was the adult? <laughs> and realized this is bad. If I'm the adult, this is bad. This is a bad situation. My mom and daddy had always prayed for me. My mom and daddy's two godliest people I've ever known. But if my daddy prays, you better just get ready for the answer. I seen my mama sitting in that rocking chair at 2 o'clock in the morning and lips moving, no words coming out. And I watched God get to work when mama prayed. But I looked around that hospital room and mom and daddy wasn't there. They was 12 hours away. My wife's daddy is a very godly man, just a hard-working blue-collar got saved out of a life of sin, got on fire for God and just never let the fire go out. And he prayed, but he wasn't there. And it was me and Amy. I remember taking her by the hand and saying, Lord, I don't know what's wrong. I don't even know what to ask you to do because I don't know what needs to be done. But Lord, that's our boy. And right now, that's our whole world. And God, I'm asking you to touch him. If he needs healing, heal him. If he 
If he's broken, God, fix him. If there's a solution, God, provide it. And if there's not, give us grace to accept it. And after a few hours, early the next morning, they brought him back in that room as well and as healthy as he could possibly be. And I remember for the first time in my life, and there's been a bunch since then, but for the first time in my life, I sat down over the prey that I had watched God work for me in my life. And I want to tell you, y'all help me. Some of you has been in this a while. Help me. There's no feeling. Come on now. It's revival. There's no feeling. Like sitting down with a full spirit saying, God did this. And he let me see it for myself. I'm thankful to be in the family. But there is a praise that comes with winning your own battles that nobody else could ever understand. I'm trying to hurry and I am. But when you see somebody in the church house and they're weeping and you see somebody with an uplifted hand and you see somebody shouting and giving God praise or you see somebody going to the altar sporadically and you don't understand what's going on don't worry about it it ain't for you to understand you don't know how many days they prayed and they missed you don't know how many battles that they fought and they failed and if they finally got a win don't you worry about them that's a prayer that only they can understand. There's a third level. Watch it. There's a third level. And that's at the end of verse number 9. It says, And as an old lion, who shall rouse him up? I'm done. Brother Chicken Tenders, would you come please? <laughs> I, said, I, don't, I don't know. I just go off what I hear. <laughs> that verse says, as an old line, who shall rouse him up? Here's what I learned in my study on these lines. Listen to this. There comes a time in the life of those old lions when they have caught so many gazelles, they have eaten so many impalas, they have hunted and succeeded so many times that they're no longer freaking out about lunch. Okay? When those lions get around two, those young males start challenging the leader of that pride. And they want to be the, you know, big cat on the hill. And that old lion, listen now, he has done... This is a South Georgia word. I hope it translates. He has done whooped so many predecessors. Did y'all get that? Whooped. Look it up. It's a good word. Y'all use it. Whooped. He's done, he's done defeated so many challengers that he's no longer nervous about some young lion overcoming him, overtaking him and defeating him. And they tell me that those lions, when they get to their old age that they're hard to stir up. And, and if you ever watch Animal Planet or Nat Geo, you'll see that big old lion's laying there and there's an impala eating grass right beside him. And he's just like, 
go back to sleep. Those young lions will come up and they'll roar in his face and challenge him. And he'll roll over and say, not before lunch, man. Let's not do this now. Where does that come from? That comes, woo, we, we, we shouting over Animal Planet tonight. That comes from having so many victories and so many successes that that old lion knows if I've done it before, I can do it again. And there ought to come a time in our life when He's brought us through so much that I'm not losing my mind over this because I watched Him take care of that. I watched Him meet that need (laughs) and I know He's going to meet this need. He gave victory then. He'll give victory now. Listen to me. There ought to come a time in our walk with God where our praise is not sporadic, where our praise is not the result of some frantical experience that we barely survived. But there ought to come a time when our praise says, no matter how this works out, I've been with Him long enough to know that it still works out. And God is good. And He's worthy. And He may not answer my prayer, but I'm still going to praise Him. He may not fix my problem, but I'm still going to praise Him. Hey, I've watched old lions get cancer and say God can heal me. But if He don't, He's still a good God. I've watched old lions come through divorce and lose everything and everybody. But they say, blessed be the name of the Lord. My heart is hurting, but God's still in control. I've watched old lions file bankruptcy. I've watched old lions go through great personal hurt and turmoil. But they never lose their praise because they've been through enough to know He's going to handle this too. One of the lowest places in my ministry, I was ready to quit. Our church was two years old. I was so ready to quit. Everything in me had been knocked out of me. But I had an old line in my church. A lady named Miss Martha Burris. She was in her late 70s. Precious gray-haired saint of God. She loved Jesus and she loved her young pastor. And I was, I'm telling you, I was, I, was, I was ready to walk and was going to. And I called her one day. I remember where I was and I remember what, the exact conversation. I said, Miss Martha, I said, I, I'm done. I said, I, I can't do this anymore. And I went over all the reasons why. On the other end of that line, she said, Son, did God send you here? I said, yes, ma'am, he did. She said, has God told you to leave? I said, no, ma'am. She said, well, I don't seem like you got much say in the matter. I'll see you Sunday. And I remember thinking, don't she know? Don't she know how bad it is? Doesn't she see that this is the bottom? Doesn't she recognize that this is not going to get any better? (laughs) But thank God for those old lions. And that's not an age reference. That's a spiritual maturity reference. You can be 17 and have the faith of an old lion. (laughs) 
but they've been through it. And they found Him faithful. And they just trust Him. And they don't get stirred up real easy because they found Him to be faithful. Here's the invitation tonight. Let's do all three. Let's come praise Him because we're in the family. Let's come praise Him because of the victories we've seen Him win on our behalf. Let's come say, Lord, give me the kind of faith that no matter what comes, I'll still praise You because I trust You. And I won't be easily stirred up. I'm settled with my confidence in Christ. Stand up with me all over this building. Do this. When you stand, just keep moving. When you stand, just keep moving. Let's come. That's it. Come. That's it. Come. Families ought to come. Teenagers ought to come. Y'all are this close. Just come on. And let's find a place and say, Lord, I want to praise you. Thank you for putting me in the family. There was a time when amazing grace was enough to stir you up. We ought to get back there again. Thank you for victories won. Prayers answered. Hallelujah. Oh, I want that old line faith. I want that not easily shaken worship. I want that kind of praise like Job had when it's all gone. Job said, Blessed be the name of the Lord. He's still working.